0: Alright, guys welcome back to the backmarkers f1 show podcast here this is episode number 129 and we are here today recapping the 2022 saudi arabian grand prix race number two of 23 this season it was a really really great race with plenty to talk about and break down in today's episode i'm chris cato your host for this episode and also i've got my fellow backmarkers tyler mcdonald and shaker Barty here as well with me to recap all the action and pretty good race guys i mean two for two this year bahrain and saudi arabia not a bad way to kick off the season i think
1: not a bad way at all but uh i, I thought that uh, we might not get this race happen at all due to the missile strike that happened uh, just a little bit uh down from the actual track which was pretty crazy i don't think we've ever seen that in f1 before uh one of the first that uh You can mark down on your your bingo chart. I don't know if many people had a missile strike on their bingo chart for the 2022 season. Um, But in the end, uh, great that we got the race in. Um, Maybe not the best um, ethically to get the race in, uh, but we got the race in. So uh, it was an interesting race for sure. Lots of talking points and uh, we have a title battle on our hands.
2: No, definitely an exciting race. I'm just, I, I mean, I said it the first race and so maybe 2022 had me really excited, but this race really had me going because there was so much going on. Um, but yes, very surprised the race went on in the end. But you know what? They can't, you, you can't, you can't argue with money. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, I know that the drivers had the long meeting following, I believe, what was it, FP2 on uh, Friday. Yeah. I think it lasted till like two in the morning, but. I mean, obviously, uh, It's we could go into that for, for quite a long time, but, you know, as, as somebody who's kind of been following that conflict in that area of the world for a few years now, I was never really worried that they were going to actually strike the <laughs> Formula One circuit itself and where the drivers are, because obviously, it's not advantageous to them, you know, strategically, and then you're talking about an international incident, but... If you're from a driver's perspective, obviously, you can understand why they were raising some concerns. But like I said, Formula One's favorite color is green. And no, not the Saudi Arabian flag, but that cold, hard cash. So. What else do you expect? But that could be a whole other podcast on its own. But let's get to the racing, actually, because that is what the sport is all about. What should it be all about? And this was a really great Grand Prix in terms of the racing itself, because we saw a little bit of the 2022 rules and new regulations in effect in Bahrain. But I really kind of feel like we saw it at play even more here at the Jetta street circuit. And maybe we'll get to it a little bit later in terms of whether this track should stay on the calendar in terms of, uh, you know, track safety with Mick Schubacher's crash. But Tyler, I'll start with you and we can go straight to the Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen battle because that ties into the great wheel to wheel racing that we've seen. So... I just want to get your thoughts that, you know, the race kind of ebbed and flowed. We had the normal lull where we didn't get to see much at the front. Cars just following each other. And then it was that last 10 laps or so where it was just that straight fight. Charles Leclerc versus Max Verstappen. The lead was exchanged three to four times with Verstappen ultimately getting the victory. So how did you see that battle playing out while you're watching it live?
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty nuts. Obviously, some um, key moments in the race that happened to, to the, let that happen. and kind of feel bad for Sergio Perez to get screwed on that safety car. Um, I thought Perez actually could have won that race. So I feel bad for Checo. But uh, Christian Horner was on the radio after the fact and said that, uh, you know, his day will come in terms of luck. So I'm sure that will happen. But, you know, like phenomenal, phenomenal battle between Charlotte Claire and Max Verstappen. And we've seen in the past these two go at it, and it's been fantastic racing. We saw it in Bahrain, fantastic racing. And and once again, um, these two just have that both very, very aggressive, very smart, but also very respectful of each other. Like They're they're fighting hard, but they're not fighting dirty, which I really, really like. It's pure, pure racing. It's kind of been um, my favorite part of 2022 so far is just how these two drivers have so much respect for each other and are racing so well, so cleanly. It's, it's really awesome, uh, pure wheel-to-wheel racing. So I'm glad that we're seeing that. That's what F1 wants. That's what F1 needs. And it's awesome to keep the new fans uh, entertained. So obviously, the new fans, there's a couple people I was watching at a bar, um, the race at a bar, and a couple people were like, well, who's this Charles Leclerc guy? Like I thought, <laughs> he's like, is he new this year? I was like, no, he's definitely not new this year. Like, he's been around for a while, and like he's really good. It's just Ferrari hasn't had a good car. So, I mean, people who are new, obviously, are learning Leclerc's name just because of, of this fantastic battle he's having with Verstappen, which is great for Leclerc, but also shows, you know, how much talent is in this F1 uh, driver's pool.
2: Yeah, and uh, to piggyback on your little comment there, Tyler, I was talking to one of my coworkers just the other week, and, she, uh, and you know, she started watching F1 when Drive to Survive came out, and uh, her, like, opinion on Ferrari was that Ferrari just sucked you know, like Ferrari. And I'm just like, no, like she, I'm like, you know, Ferrari has the most amount of world championships and, you know, in F1, they, they, you know, they are F1 pretty much. And she was like, yeah, she's like, I have no idea, but like, it's so good to see like Ferrari being on top, you know, like after like the struggles they have, I'm like, yeah, it's like, it's nice to see Ferrari doing so well. And I I totally, I, I think respect between the two drivers is the biggest thing. And it's, it's hard to say it's maybe it's because they've been driving for, with each other for so long, you know, they're pretty much the same age. Uh, driving with each other, uh, with each other since karting. So it, it's really nice to see that you know throughout the years they still have that respect for each other, and you know they'll go at it. And I, my favorite thing was watching both of them just break into that last corner <laughs> just to not give each other both uh, just the one up on the uh, on the uh, <clears throat> on the last. Uh, oh my God, I'm blanking here.
0: DRS. DRS. <laughs> <great>. yeah. <laughs> I, but yeah. I, 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 yeah, no, I, I like that too, right? And that's why I like these new regulations of what we're seeing in the racing this year is that the drivers have to be a little bit more clever and smart in terms of how they're going to get the job done. And yeah, that scene of when both of them were kind of locking up because I think that's what you saw there, just tentativeness and hesitancy of, "Oh, well, I you know, I don't want to give up the DRS, you know. I, I want to to stay ahead or I want to stay behind and get the DRS because we saw Verstappen kind of do the same thing he did in Bahrain when he made the overtake going into turn 27 and then lost it right away in the next corner because he got out dragged and Leclerc had the DRS. And then he came back a few laps later and changed his approach a little bit. So I, I love it so far. And and like you guys said, to continue on that theme is just how respectful it is between the two and, and how friendly it is. And it was kind of the subject of my, my recent video about how I really do believe this rivalry is going to be better than Verstappen and Hamilton because I know all three of us really enjoyed what we saw last year but we can admit that it just got so toxic at times on between the fans, between the drivers and the teams, is that it kind of took a little bit of enjoyment out of it, and the two were such big rivals that anytime they came close to each other on track, it was some sort of an accident. So we didn't actually get to see Lewis and Max wheel-to-wheel all that much last year, but with Max and Charles, Tyler, these guys, like you said, have so much respect for each other, and it's been aggressive in the first two races, but I love how both drivers are able to maintain that respect, and also just like give each other credit and saying, hey, you know, that was fun. That was a good one. So I really hope this continues all of this year.
1: Yeah, me too. But um, they might be a little too friendly because of this whole DRS thing. Um, with them being so cunning and, tr- and trying to you know, not outbreak, but, even, but outbreak each other to not get the DRS. <laughs> like, I don't know how to describe it. It's really yeah, weird. Yeah. Um, but it, it, this could end up being, um, yeah, outmaneuver maybe. Yeah, it's a good one, Shaker. I like that. It could end up being the end of DRS, and, and this might sound a little crazy, but if we're going to start seeing all this squabbling and kind of tentativeness going into the corner before DRS zones, I could see F1 saying, "You know what? If you guys aren't going to, you know, use this to your, or try to um, kind of play around this DRS and break too early and play these games, we're just going to take DRS out." Uh, it is something that I could see happening if it gets a little too outlandish. I think you know the first couple of races, it's been fine. It's been usually being very smart. They're using it smartly, but if we get to a situation and they're you know 20 seconds ahead of the next car and they're going 100 miles an hour uh, <laughs> instead of 200 to try and uh, you know out maneuver each other to not get DRS, I think it could get a little bit um, ridiculous. So it's something to watch out for with this whole new strategy of not or trying to get DRS and getting letting uh, the other Driver past them for the DRS zone. I, I feel like they'll just take away
2: a DRS zone, if anything, you know, like towards the end of it. Cause I think they added a few within the last like year or two as well. So why not just like, you know, take the last one away to, 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 uh, to not have DRS in the last uh, lead up to, uh, you know, the lap? But it, it, I I kind of agree. Like it's, it's a, a different strategy especially because we know Ferrari's really better is better around the corners and the and the red bulls are uh, better on the straight so why not you know use that full to the full track advantage as well because you know the lap times were going back and forth you know with charlotte leclerc didn't get it the last like two or three laps or something and i wanted to comment on that too that that's going to pay- play a huge factor for the constructors this year as well um to see who ends up winning it all
0: this is an interesting debate too and heading into the new season or heading into the new regulations excuse me this was the debate right is is DRS going to stay and how long will it stay so I'm not really against maybe even trying one or two races without DRS and just allowing the teams to kind of give a feel for what the race it could be like without DRS because I think in the past few years we've liked to see DRS going away so that drivers can actually complete overtakes under braking and this season I feel we've seen less kind of blow-bys through DRS and kind of more overtakes finishing under braking, which is positive, but I'm curious to see what the racing would be like without DRS and how much the drivers would be able to overtake without it.
1: Yeah, it would be interesting. I just, you also have to think of the other side as well is, are there going to be not enough overtakes if we get rid of DRS? That's why DRS was brought in in the first place, right? So it's going to be an interesting balance that they have to say. And like Shaker said, maybe the right thing is just to move from Instead of three DRS zones, there's you know one or two uh, on the tracks that we had beforehand. But something that will, I'm sure will be played around. F1 always likes to play around. So,
2: I mean, Which isn't a bad thing, but I, I think staying consistent throughout the season would be huge. Obviously, if they wanted to add that to a track later on, uh, like taking away a DRS zone, it's not as big of a deal rather than just taking away DRS completely in the season. You know?
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: Yeah, we'll see how it happens in the developments, and every track is a little different. I mean, Saudi, of course, is such a high-speed circuit, so these DRS zones are are quite powerful. And interesting also how the Red Bull and Ferrari car performance is playing out so far. We've seen Red Bull very strong on the straights, and Ferrari very efficient and strong in the corners, like Shaker said. So how the teams will develop their cars in the season, and if Red Bull can kind of gain a little bit back in the corners, will be really interesting, but... Loving the battle so far out in front. So definitely, guys, let us know in the comments what you thought of Leclerc and Verstappen. But very nice to see just a healthy sporting rivalry between the two. And also just the reaction on social media, even between the both fan bases, Ferrari, Red Bull, Verstappen, Leclerc. Very positive, very cordial, and good banter between the two. So, uh, yeah, let's keep it going for sure, as well as the racing Now, moving on just a little bit to touch on Verstappen's teammate, Sergio Perez. Shaker, you and I were calling this live as it happened, and it was a great moment to see Sergio Perez's first career pole position. The longest gap between first race and then race victory, and also now the longest gap between first race start and pole position. So he's got a couple records there, but I agree with you, Tyler. I think he would have won that Grand Prix, But once again, it's Nicholas Latifi, for some reason, (laughs) has a habit of bringing out safety cars that changes the race outcome. But I think that Sergio Perez has thrown a very interesting dynamic into the championship fold because out-qualified Max, even in Bahrain, was only two-tenths off his teammate, was racing very well in Saudi Arabia, controlling the race in Bahrain as well. I'll tell you what, without that DNF in the first race, but I think with a little more luck, Checo might be in the title fight as well.
1: I think so, and I think Carlos Sainz will be too. I think it's actually going to be a four-way battle between all these four drivers. I think they're all very evenly matched. Um, Carlos, I think, is it will be getting a little bit better and better as the season goes on. And he had a slower start, I think. Um, but we know Carlos Sainz, he is a, a driver behind the wheel, and Sergio is, is as well. So uh, I think it would be really cool to see uh, all four drivers going at it. Uh, you know, like I said, I felt bad for Sergio, but his time will definitely come. Um, I think Max owes him one from uh, Abu Dhabi last year, so maybe there'll be some sort of a redemption or or payback from Max to, to Sergio somewhere in there as well.
2: Yeah, I mean it. It should really be interesting, and uh, I, I think team strategies honestly played a huge, huge key to this uh, to this race too. I mean, obviously, if Sergio Perez's pit stop didn't get messed up, he would have been a little bit higher up, but. The, to To leave him out on that safety lap when he should have realistically given uh, the positioning back to signs on the outlap, I, I think also really helped um, uh, Max keep up to Charles in the end too. Uh, good strategy in the end, and then I mean uh, Mercedes. I mean I'll comment on Mercedes later, but I, th- I think all the team strategies by every team was really well done in this in this race because. I mean, they I, that race only happened a few months ago. I mean, they still have a lot. It's only the second time they raced at it, so it was a really good race overall for the second track that they raced at in their entire life. So,
0: yeah, performance-wise, Red Bull and Ferrari are seems very close. You know, there's only kind of a, a few things separating, and then the drivers are really making the big difference. So, I think that yeah, Perez is is a, a dark horse. There maybe an outside looking in for the championship. But like you said, Tyler, and of course, he was my pick to be champion this year. So obviously, I do believe Science will get in the fight as well. But it seems even closer than, than the two Red Bull and Mercedes were in 2021, which is really nice to see. So yeah, good good for Sergio because last year we were kind of wondering, oh, okay, maybe he's going to be just a number two. But this year so far, it looks like he's trying to stake his claim and, and go. And it's also important that he gets in these good results early on so that he can have more input on the development of the car. And not just you know Max Verstappen. Of course, rating world champion, we understand his talents. But if Perez is able to you know win that race, right? Then maybe he's going to drive the development a little bit more. So very interesting how that dynamic will play out. And uh, I'm hoping that, like Bushaker said, there a team that he just mentioned, Mercedes, hopefully maybe can make this a three team fight. But the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix definitely didn't uh, raise the confidence or hopes of the fan bases, but I must say, I am enjoying seeing, I am enjoying seeing Mercedes struggle a little bit, they had eight years of domination at the front, so let's enjoy it while it lasts a little bit, but Lewis Hamilton out in Q1, and only finished in 10th place, and he was battling with the Haas of Kevin Magnus, wheel to wheel, some good battles, a nice recovery drive from Hamilton, but yeah, Mercedes really struggling a lot with the uh, setup issues, not enough downforce, not enough engine power, it's going to be a, a rough couple races for them, but it looks like it
1: yeah, I don't know how different his setup was compared to George Russell's. Um, but, I mean, George blew him out of the water the, uh, on the race, or qualifying and the race, which was really interesting to me. I just i I don't know if the setups were that different or or what, but, I mean, Lewis doesn't get beaten by eight-tenths ever. So, uh, you know, something... I don't think it had to do with the actual driving. I think it had to do that with the, the different setups that they had, and obviously they can't change the setup. I thought they were actually going to change the setup for Lewis and just start in the pit lane. I, that's what I would have done. I mean, yeah. you were so slow. Uh, what's the 16th compared to 20th? Um, or 19th, it would have been at that point uh, in the race. I mean, I would have just completely changed the setup, copied Georges and started from the pit lane. But um, maybe there was a different regulation in there that I'm not aware of. Um, but man, yeah, it was a very disappointing for Mercedes. I mean, suffering so bad from porpoising. It was it was so noticeable and I think George was even complaining about it as well. A really good drive from George to, to get P5. I thought he raced a quiet but very solid race. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's something that they'll definitely have to go back to the drawing board. But you're talking about eight-time defending world champions. I'm sure they're going to have a lot of development and focus a lot on, on getting this car tuned back up. And it wouldn't surprise me by, you know, if not summer break, um, they're back and having a very competitive car.
2: Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me either. And I'm mean, George Russell had a fantastic, you know, weekend in general to be in that qualifying spot to begin with. Um, but yeah, I mean to overall be, I, I think you said it best, Tyler, just that, you know, that quiet P five finish, you know, exactly where he needed to be for the team, uh, to get a little bit of points to actually stay up there. Um, but overall, i you know, he had a great weekend and I, I Lewis Hamilton, obviously, with the struggling qualifying he had, I, overall, not a bad race. I mean, I, obviously, you know, you, you said he was racing at Kevin, Kevin Magnuson, but Kevin Magnuson also had a fantastic race overall. Um, so it, uh, it, was, it was nice to see Lewis Hamilton because uh, I, I would not have been surprised if he got P6 in the end. But I kind of agree with uh, with Tyler. Like, why didn't they change the setup? uh maybe it was just you know he wouldn't be get, get used to it in the race fast enough or whatever it was but
0: yeah from what i remember maybe during pre-race i think Toto was saying that they would lose too much uh time in terms of you know the how the pit lane time loss in, in jetta is but uh, i'm not exactly sure but maybe it was just a case of he it wouldn't have made much of a difference just because lewis was so uh, unhappy with the car but yeah they're it's difficult for them because i think they have a good car, but. They just have to compromise so much with their setup, and that's really putting them in trouble and making them lose a lot of speed. But it's very likely that by at least the mid-season, they'll be able to bring some updates to the car and be more competitive. But that just depends on how big of a step Red Bull and Ferrari can make and whether Mercedes will be able to catch up in time. But yeah, it's it's interesting. But seeing, uh, seeing them so far down the grid is obviously just so rare for us nowadays that... Uh, that I, I did enjoy it a little bit, but I like <laughs> <laughs> I like seeing Hamilton come through the grid and, and battling the likes of, of Kevin Magnussen, who we'll move on to now. And kind of a, a mixed bag, a weekend for Haas. They had some reliability issues early on, and then, of course, Mick Schumacher's huge crash, which we'll get to. But Magnussen did have a very solid race, I thought. And if you guys saw, he was really, really struggling physically because he said, And he quotes himself saying in Q3 that uh, his neck broke, (laughs) you know, obviously not literally, but just his neck just gave away, you know, in qualifying because he's not used to it. The fitness of his neck is probably not at the level it needs to be at this point, which is completely understandable. But despite the struggles, really good, really solid result and was able to bag a couple of points for Haas. And, um, you know, it really just shows how good this Haas car is because I think he would have been capable of P5 and qualifying. He said that due to the physical limitations he had, it was about five tenths that he was slower.
1: That's crazy. Five tenths that he was slower just because of those physical limitations. But I mean, yeah, like you said, his neck doesn't surprise me at all. That's going uh, 2 back-to-back races. And Saudi Arabia is such a high speed, high G force track that it would take a toll on anyone's neck. Uh, well, obviously everyone's neck, uh, but even, you know, the, the high athletes of the F1 drivers are, um, you know that's that's pretty pretty insane. Obviously, with IndyCar or with he um, was sorry. I guess he did some IndyCar testing, but with the uh, the endurance cars, he was racing uh, not as much as of G forces compared to the F one cars as well. But you no know, phenomenal weekend by K-, K Mag. It's awesome to see him doing so well for for Haas, and awesome to see Haas up there as well. Um, they just seem to have a car that's you know really really well. Balanced right now. Um, obviously, they're suffering, I think, a little bit too from porpoising, but who really isn't? Um, it'll be interesting to see how far up the grid and if they can snatch maybe even a podium this year, you know, depending on some craziness that could happen. Yeah, you, you never know with
2: weather or anything like that, what the craziness will come to. But, uh, it was really, uh, it was really nice to see K Mag up there and actually racing too, not just holding position and, you know, keeping on his own like he did a few years ago. Um, Sorry guys, I'm very I'm really tired. So I'll play. <laughs> no, I don't
0: <laughs>
1: <you. some> things. <laughs> That's all
0: right. I didn't want to cut you off because I was maybe thinking you had a, another thought in there but I'll pick it up from there to say, you know, it's a good weekend from Haas to clear up or to to finish off these first two weekends of F1, but very difficult with what happened to Mick Schumacher because the crash is reported to be around a 1 million dollar cost, which is not surprising. I mean, the rear end came off, the whole thing's damaged, and it's really the reason why he couldn't race on Sunday because Has probably could have repaired the car, but then they would have been really tight on spare parts heading to Australia. And of course, all the stuff's already en route to Australia. So it it was a bit of a risk. I think it was a smart decision not to race. Anyways, Mick Schumacher would have been ready to race physically and mentally. So, you know, good for Mick, but a very scary incident. I mean, obviously, Shaker, you and I were live when this was happening. And there was a few minutes there where, you know, Tyler, you and I have watched motorsports for, for quite a long time. And we know what it means when a driver crashes and we go to the wide shots and we don't hear news right away. It's it's not a good sign. So thankfully he's okay. But it does beg the question of do more changes need to happen to this circuit to keep it on the calendar safety reasons.
1: So uh, my first, you know, I didn't get to watch this live. I watched um, the replay on F1 TV um, later that night and uh, I had a buddy asked him how qualifying was, but don't spoil anything for me. He said, there's a you know really big crash, but um like, I just, like, I was like, oh, okay, like, is everyone, because I'm just knowing the circuit, I was like, just like, all you have to tell me is, is everyone was okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. Is, that, is, or, is everyone alive? Because that's what I <laughs> wanted to know. And he's like, yeah, no, everyone's okay. I was like, okay, that's fine. Um, but my first instinct when I saw the crash happen live was, why are there no safer barriers there now? And when I'm talking about safer barriers for your European listeners that maybe don't know as much of the, the NASCAR safety system. after the amount of deaths that they had at NASCAR, they implemented at every single track, they have what are called safer barriers. And I think I talked about this last year, maybe on a podcast. And basically what it is, is um, where the concrete wall is, um, uh, it extends the wall a little bit outwards. And what happens is there's styrofoam in between the concrete wall and an aluminum barrier uh, that flexes on impact. And what it does is it absorbs the amount of G-forces and, uh, and sends it throughout the, uh, the entire wall rather than it being just in that one spot in the concrete so that was my first instinct is why is there not safer barriers there that'd be um, that's soft, soften the blow a huge deal uh, if that uh, barrier was put in we haven't seen a death in NASCAR since those have been put in so it's clearly done a lot um, for safety in NASCAR and I thought that would be a, a perfect spot for it for uh, for f1 um, you know it it's not like that track's going anywhere. I don't think they, it's a street circuit, but I don't, do they get rid of the barriers after the race? I'm not sure. Um, And if, even if that is safer barriers, it can be moved. Uh, So I think that there should be that aluminum flexi, uh, safer barrier in that location. But man, what a scary accident. You just knew right away, once the car hit the wall, you just oh like it's that was a nasty, nasty hit. And like you said, all four corners were damaged. They were lifting the car up and it trying to you know take it away, and the back half of the the car came off, and you just see the marshals <laughs> just stay like yeah. in shock, like oh my god, what did we just do? And they were devastated to see that half back half of the car break off. And I, what I found funny is they just left with the other half of the car, and left the back half of the car sitting on the track. I thought that was kind of entertaining. <laughs> as well but uh you know glad to see mick safe and sound after that crash uh, i was worried for him as well uh but amazing that he had uh, no physical injuries uh it's pretty remarkable to see uh from the safety of f1's cars perspective
2: yeah i mean i uh, my stream was like a, probably four to five seconds faster than chris's so <laughs> i reacted to it and he was still talking and he's like what happened i'm like,
0: oh <laughs> <So>,
2: like, <laughs> like, i just i just kind of wanted to wait for him to watch because it was bad man yeah. um but yeah it was it was just j- just to have no response or anything like that or no like angle of what actually happened until uh they got micked to the actual ambulance uh into the actual ambulance was really interesting but it seems like it's just turned 27 that's like the worst cause that's where all the crashes seem to happen. So if anything, I feel like they need to work on that area of the circuit. Um, maybe not the entire circuit in terms of before, like we're still talking about safety, but yeah, having those safer barriers would be a huge help. I think not just, you know, in every circuit in general,
1: um, to avoid those crashes, uh, just to chime in before you do, Chris, I like, I know that that curb is there to prevent people from going wide and punish you if you go wide. But I just wonder if you lower it a bit because it seems like with these ground effect cars, they're bottoming out a lot more than what they were with the cars from last year. So I don't know if lowering that curb a little bit would help, um, implementing strict corner cutting penalties there, if, if that would make a difference. But um, I don't know, maybe you have a different idea, Chris.
0: No, I, I would agree with that. I think it's actually uh, where Mick Crash was turned 12 um going uh yeah turn 27 would be the the final one where we've seen obviously latifi crashed in the race and then uh max crashed there last year but uh, this one was yeah turn 12 because it wasn't only mick that had a moment and not maybe people maybe saw this but alonso as well rode the curb the same way that mick did but alonso was just able to catch it but it was a huge moment i mean he would have had a mick schumacher crash had he not caught it so Whether that was experience or he just felt the oversteer quicker than than Mick did, I'm not exactly sure. But yeah, I think that that curb needs to be changed. And I don't know if they made any changes uh, Saturday night going into Sunday. I know Lando Norris was asking to change that. But yeah, I I do think that something there needs to be changed. And maybe pushing the barriers even further back just to allow a little bit of deceleration for for the cars. Because like I said, it's a very exciting track. It's very fun to drive for the driver's you know it's a lot of adrenaline and it's a, a huge risk taking track right i mean you saw Sergio Perez's qualifying lap it rewards drivers that pushes the limits and gets as close to the walls as possible but we have these dangers and um yeah just to bring up a point that shaker made on our live stream is that the 2022 cars are actually meant to break apart like that where we see the separation from the rear of the car because uh, you know i was like holy holy crap look at all, all the damage but then uh, you know he chimed in to say you know he, that's an actual aspect of this year's cars that they they're meant to separate because they can actually absorb 15 percent more energy than in previous years so uh, just a, a good little piece of information there but at the end of the day you know just very happy that that schumacher is okay and he'll be able to race it in the next race and like we were commenting too you know Halo is going to be one of the best ever safety inventions as well, but also just the whole crash structure, too, right? Being able to absorb something like that, it's pretty crazy.
1: I did see somewhere online, too, that one of the tires hit the halo as the uh, Mesmic as was crashing as well. So, yeah. uh, another uh, check mark for the halo uh, onto uh, doing something very, uh, you know, very productive and stopping the tire from hitting Mick in the head.
2: Yeah, I think that's, I mean, since the halo's been, you know, active, I think there's been a Huge crash like that almost every year since then. I think we've seen the Halo's full effect. I mean, Charles Leclerc the first year the Halo went into play. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I mean, it, it's... Grosjean. Been, Grosjean, you know, Max and Lewis last year with the, the two crashing into each other. So uh, yeah, no, I I will say ha- hands down it will go down as the greatest safety invention for F1 for sure.
0: 100%, Yeah. So then moving on to just the last point I had written down here about this race, and maybe you guys have a couple of extra things to add afterwards, but I really thoroughly enjoyed when we get back to the topic of the close racing this year and drivers being able to battle more. The Alpines really showed us that before we got the main event of Leclerc and Verstappen. And that's the nice feature of these cars this year is that it's not just one or maybe two attempts to try and overtake and then, okay, I got to back off because I'm too close. My tires are overheating. No, these battles are going on for one quarter, two corners, three laps, four laps, five laps and the Alpines were going back to the racing point days of Ocon and Perez and squeezing each other into the wall and getting really close on the exits but I thought that the racing was actually really really good between the two and I know that the teammates enjoyed it. Maybe the team should have stepped in a little bit sooner because you saw just how quickly Valtteri Bottas closed in and as well as uh, Kevin Magnussen behind but what do you think Tyler maybe should team orders have come into play or just let them race?
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know. See, the thing is, is that there wasn't someone that was overly quicker than the other. They were both very even. So I don't know if like, I don't know how you give team orders there. If Fernando's got more experience, so you let him go by. Like I don't know. Like, it's I don't I think that was a tricky situation for Alpine to to implement team orders. Um, you know, I think what they could have done is maybe hey guys, can okay, give it a break on the fighting for five laps and try to break away from Botas and, and Magnuson who are behind, but that was the only thing they could do. But I mean, they were the star of the show. I think in that, uh, in that race, um, I, I enjoyed their battle over Max and Charlotte Claire. I know that was for the lead, but just pure racing. I thought Alonso and Oakland had the best battle on the track uh, in that race. So they were the stars of the show for me, this race, huge credit to Alpine, huge credit for both of them for keeping it clean. And, um, you know, it's awesome to see we can they're proving it we can see close racing lap after lap after lap
2: yeah i i, I kind of agree there it's really hard to put team orders in when when you're both going the same pace and both your drivers are kind of enjoying themselves you know like well how do you step in be like guys like stop racing <laughs> each other it's like no oh, we're having fun <laughs> So like, I, yeah, I agree. Like there was no bad crashes, you know, no major close calls that they got into each other, uh, you know, clean racing overall. So it, it was really good to see. Um, and, and, you know, it's 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 kind of nice because, you know, they haven't had that in a long time with, uh, you know, like you mentioned with tires overheating and, you know, only being able to race each other for maybe a lap or two. So it's kind of r- nice to see those drivers kind of testing the limits of those cars as well. And, you know, even if it is with each other.
0: Yeah. And you had uh, comments from Esteban Ocon post-race saying that 2022 style of racing is like go-karting. And that's uh, a, that's a pretty big uh, compliment there from, from a driver like Ocon because, you know, F1 drivers always enjoy going back to their karting routes and we know just how close and intense that racing can be. So yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. And I think you're right, Tyler. I think in terms of the racing, it was actually better than Leclerc and Verstappen. So Hopefully, we see the Alpines one day battling for a win because I tell you what, they've been a positive surprise for me this season. And the big question mark still is the reliability, like we saw with uh, Alonso's car. Unfortunately, you know, having to retire at the end of the race. But other than that, they've kind of been even with Alfa Romeo and maybe even Haas there for, for best of the rest. So uh, they've been doing a, a really solid job so far this year. And, uh, you know, further down the grid, of course, it, some drivers who benefit from those DNFs and safety cars, Lando Norris, a good effort for him getting into the points after that horrible start in Bahrain. But uh, we are just kind of seeing reliability be somewhat of a concern for these teams. Yuki Tsunoda didn't even start the race. Ricardo's car shut off. So, uh, I think that's still Bautas. an issue. Yeah. yeah Bottas as well. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. He was having a good race until that issue. So yeah, 2022 might be sort of a, a year of attrition for these teams.
1: I mean, there's going to be some teams with a lot of penalties, maybe even before the summer break. It's, it's going to be really interesting. Where does the cost cap come in then? You know, if, if these teams have to take six engines in the year, <laughs> that's going to really, you know, mess up their cost cap. So like, I know, um, Gasly, um, Verstappen and Perez all had new engines and Sonoda was the only Red Bull uh, without a new engine for this race and well his engine quit so I mean at this rate you're looking at every two races a Red Bull engine is going to go they're going to go through you know 12 engines in a season so (laughs) uh, hopefully they can get that fixed
2: yeah very unfortunate and and especially because their cost cap this year is going to be high already with new development and everything too like I don't know if they got extra money are they're allowed to spend extra money this year just just because it's the first year of development but yeah it's, it's going to be a huge budget for them uh, for every team i mean maybe not to mercedes or red bull or you know ferrari but you know to the other smaller teams for sure
0: yeah if you're red bull powertrains you really got to start asking some big questions about the uh, engine side of things because you don't want what happened in bahrain to the red bulls to happen at really any other point in this season because Ferrari seems to have uh, some pretty good reliability on their hands. So yeah, very interesting. Uh, any final comments from you guys on the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix? I pretty much went through all of my list, but uh, maybe something I missed.
1: Uh, I just want to talk quickly about the uh, Albon Stroll incident. Um, what were your guys thoughts on that one? Cause for me, I know Stroll said that he thought Albon dive bombed him and Albon said that Stroll turned in on him. I, I thought it was Albon's fault uh, personally, um, but it's just interesting that, you know, obviously, it's, you want to race for every position, but to throw a car in um, from that far back for what would have been, what was it, 14th position? I thought that was our 13th position. I thought that was a little strange from Albon. I thought you could have waited for another opportunity um, to pass Stroll, but maybe I don't have the, uh, the right view on it.
2: I'm going to have to take a look at it again.
0: I was about to say, I only saw it the once when they replayed it, and so I haven't gone back, but from my memory, I thought that from the replay, if I remember correctly, Albon hit the curb at the apex of turn one, which kind of launched him a little bit into the side of Stroll. Now, uh, if I'm hopefully I'm remembering that correctly, but uh, I think Stroll could have given him a little bit more room. But yeah, if I had to put the blame, I'd maybe say it was Albon because it was just a little bit, you know, it's a little bit tight going into that corner. But uh, I think the issue was is that he kind of hit the curb, the, the higher part of that curb on the inside. And then it kind of launched himself into stroll, but um. Is that, t- is that how you saw it, two shaker? You just yeah. So I, I just looked at it again, and I think that's exactly how I saw saw it
2: at, in the And I kind of saw a little bit of over uh, for under, under oversteer from uh, from Albon and kind of go sliding into Stroll. But I kind of agree with you that Stroll kind of given should have given him a little bit more room around the corner, especially because he saw Albon coming. He really didn't give him any you know space to turn. He kind of went right into it. And I I I get it. You know, it is his corner, and Albon should have backed off. But I I don't think the understeer kind of helped him in that situation. So it's, yeah, the blame kind of does go for Albon for not backing out of that, but it, it's kind of hard to call, it, and I would just call it a racing incident at the end. But uh, I'm just, apparently he was found to blame for that incident, so. So we got the uh, penalty, right? Did he yeah. get a penalty? Uh, a three-place grid, grid drop in the upcoming Australian Grand Prix. Oh, wow. so, Oh, okay. really?
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, I wasn't expecting that, but I was expecting a reprimand maybe, and like maybe a couple penalty points, but not a three Place grid yeah. penalty.
2: Yeah, pretty grid penalty is pretty huge, especially if you're in a Williams. <laughs> like, how do you go from like twentieth? Yeah. To 20th. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Hopefully the Williams can get back up the grid. And I mean, yeah. Nicky Latifi had a, a very tough weekend. I felt bad for him. I mean, that's just uh, unlucky. The first crash for nikki I don't know. Yeah, I don't get it either. How his car snapped around like that? It was really, really odd. And then the second one, uh, again, I don't really understand what happened to. To him, there he got a catch of oversteer and just didn't catch it in time. So um, hopefully, a better weekend for uh, in Australia for Nicola Tifi And I also just want to mention as well, we're going to see a debut, a season debut in Australia because Sebastian Vettel will be back on the grid finally for uh, for Australia. So that'll be great to see Seb back in an F1
0: car.
2: No, I'm very excited to see that and you know see if he can make use of that Aston Martin a little bit. Give it a little bit of love. So Yeah, well done to Nico
0: Hulkenberg for filling in for these last two races. I know the results aren't going to jump off the page for you, but still, I think it was, uh, considering the car he has to drive and obviously the long time away from F1, a, a good job to have uh, a guy like Nico Hulkenberg around, which is nice. And yeah, with on the Latifi thing, I don't know. He just seems to be really struggling with the rear of the car this year. and just, uh, But still, like you said, it's just very strange how how he lost it that way. So I don't know if it was... Some sort of an adjustment he made, maybe on the brake balance that just uh, didn't suit the car. But uh, yeah, the Williams looks like a little bit of a handful this year, unfortunately. But many more races to go. And I think that now having a two-week break for the teams to kind of go back to base a little bit, uh, you know, look over all the data. I don't think they're obviously going to bring any updates to Australia per se, but they're going to be able to have a lot more time to understand the cars through these first uh, two races. And then we're going to go into a really interesting part of the season now where we're going to be back in Australia, but it is a different layout this year. So, you know, question marks there about who's going to be the favorite and, and what teams are going to excel there. And then we get sort of into the European races of uh, the Imola and then Spain, of course, Monaco and the likes of those tracks. So, yeah, very interesting times ahead. But um, if that's uh, it for uh, on the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, then I think uh, we'll wrap it up here, boys.
1: Yeah, that's it for me. Um Excited for Australia and get to see uh, another new layout in Australia, so that'll be cool.
2: Uh yeah, I think that's sort of like I think the other only other person I had Pierre Gasly getting some points for Alphatori with Yuki being out, but yeah, I think that says it for me for the Grand Prix.
0: Yeah, just to, to add on Gasly, too, he had some sort of intestinal pains in the last 15 laps or so of the race. <laughs> he said he was felt feeling like somebody was stabbing him every time he was turning left. So. Uh, I don't know what it was, you know, the first thing I thought of was like, oh, he's, you know, appendicitis or something, or like kidney stones, but I don't know. But he was doing interviews post-race, so I don't know if it subsided. Oh,
2: probably just didn't have right yeah. right <laughs> <Yeah>, something. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but it must not be easy in an F1 car pulling, you know, 2-3G yeah. through the corner. So, uh, yeah, very good result for, for him. So yeah, that'll wrap it up then for uh, the 2022 Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Race 2 of 23 is in the books, and uh, so is episode 129 of the Backmarkers F1 show podcast. If you made it this far, thank you very much for watching or listening to us. We really do appreciate all of the support. Of course, uh, on YouTube, if you were watching, maybe didn't try to do as much uh, F1 footage this time around because uh, we did get a copyright strike on our live stream. Over the weekend, so we're just trying to uh, play it a little bit safe because uh, F1 really loves their money, so they're stealing our monetization for showing just race footage.
1: It's not like they happen. Yeah, yeah. You know? Maybe
0: they should have two races in Saudi Arabia, maybe, and then <laughs> fix that problem. But uh, anyways,
1: well, we're having three. We're having three in America. So. There
0: you go. Exactly.
1: America has money. <laughs> go Las Vegas.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Anyways, what are we going to do about it? But here we are anyways. And uh, yeah, we'll be back for uh, Australia, of course, with the A to Z guide to that race. And then, of course, the podcast following that no live stream, most likely for Australia, because it is a time zone is not very friendly for us here. It's either going to be very late at night or very early in the morning. So uh, backmarkers F1 show live stream taking a little pause for now. But we'll be back uh, in a few races to come. Remember to subscribe to our channel if you are watching on YouTube. Hit the bell for notifications so you never miss a video. And you'll find all of the description. You find all of our information in the description down below. In terms of our discount code, links to the GP box, and all of our social media channels. So for Tyler McDonald and Shaker Barty, thank you to you both for all your inputs tonight, and thank you to you watching at home. Until next time, it's bye for now. Thank you very much, guys.